1: recorded live.
0: Thank you everyone and welcome to another edition of the Stroke Diva Fabulous Show. I have a wonderful guest this evening. He was actually on the show last week and I have him back so that we have some more time. We are talking to David J. Grogren, and this man does so much and we're on a short time period today, so I'm going to just go ahead and jump right in, David.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, absolutely.
0: Because we want to talk about um, you're the chief of staff at the Children's Rights Fund. So a few minutes about that, and then we want to talk about your 2016, elected Rogan Now campaign, and also professional bodybuilder and nutrition consultant. So I'm going to let you just kind of roll with it.
1: Okay, yeah. So we'll start with uh, the Children's Rights Fund. The Children's Rights Fund um, is something that was started by a young man by the name of David Levy. Um, Unfortunately, or fortunately, Mr. Levy passed uh, sometime in uh, November of 2015. Um, Mr. Levy left behind uh, the Children's Rights Fund to a David Smith senior. Um, I met David Smith uh, while on the campaign trail back in 2014. So there you have it, David, David, and David. That's uh, that's telling us something. David, <laughs> right? That's an interesting name. Uh, but what we do primarily with the Children's Rights Fund is at this right now we're actually lobbying for fair parenting, more fair parenting legislation. Because what most people don't understand, lawmakers uh, sit just a couple a couple months out of the year. And this is when bills are passed, basically laws are made. And what we're lobbying for right now is a presumption of shared parenting uh, with the lawmakers at the, at the, at, the uh, at the Senate and the delegates. And it's um, these things get a little complicated, uh, but they're not that complicated. Basically, what we're lobbying for is a presumption, which simply means that parents break up, parents divorce, and children are are involved there's a presumption that, you know, the, the child will have equal access to, or children may have equal access to both both parents. Um, unless a parent can show otherwise, that will be the automatic presumption that, by law, the judges will have to follow. Not quite what we have right now. Right now, as we know historically, uh, whoever has the kids last, that's generally whoever, that's the person that gets the kids, primarily uh, women in most cases, and then oftentimes men are required to pay child support, and sometimes they don't, they don't even get to see their children. I'm hearing more and more cases now where those roles are reversed, where there are women who are doing the exact same. They're paying child support, and they're not seeing their kids. So the times are changing, which means the of this time for us to just have laws that are fair. Fair parenting has nothing to do with uh, a man or a woman. In fact, we can fix some of these things and some of these laws that are essentially antiquated, we think that that will make a a huge impact on the community Um, because when we look back at the crime and we look back at all the things that are going on in the community, we have to, you know, look at things like the missing fathers. Um, I am a a parent, a proud parent of a 17-year-old daughter who will be 18 years old this year. And... um, You know, I'm looking forward to her turning 18, but her mother and I split when she was – we divorced when she was uh, two years old, two or three years old. And, um, you know, unfortunately, my daughter has been through the system. I've been through the system. We've we've experienced it firsthand. And I can tell you it's quite horrific. Um, It's it's quite horrific as to what happens in in urban areas Um, because what I've learned is that um, there are a lot of things in place for people – i.e. attorneys and law firms, to make money. So therefore, there are strong lobbying groups that's against trying to fix some of these things because some of the dysfunctions in our community, people make money off. Um, It's simply, you know, wealthy get wealthy. That old saying, the rich get richer and the poor gets poorer. Unfortunately, that's a system that's in place across the board with a lot of different things that are simply by law and the rich continue to get richer, and the poor gets poorer. So I'm hoping that I'll have an impact on trying to at least, a little bit at a time, trying to do what I can for children. Uh, that's pretty much on the um, the uh, ch- um, the Child's Rights Fund.
0: Um, and, you know, uh, the, the thing is you want to have children that are healthy and happy and in healthy and happy homes, and yes. you – I mean, you see it so much where the parents, you know, really are in the struggle. And, you know, it's you want to say, okay, but is this what's best for the child? And I know that there are some, and I'm talking about celebrities now, which is probably a little bit easier than for regular folk, where, you know, they're sharing the children, but together. So, like, if it's Thanksgiving or if it's a, some kind of trip both parents with whoever they're with that's new they're all traveling together so you may be married or you may be divorced but your significant other at that time is like yeah we can work it out and we can do this together do you see a lot of that for folks or is it mostly the, the tug of war
1: yeah, it's mostly the tug of
0: war, unfortunately.
1: It's mostly the tug of war, it's especially um, in the urban areas, because it's a different ball game when people have money to litigate, and money, disposable income, runs freely. Um, so, because, so if you can litigate and you can afford to pay a lot of money in attorney fees, sometimes things may be a little different. But for the most part, um, it's always, not always, but primarily from what I've seen in my experience, it tends to be uh, this, this struggle. It's, it tends to be um, the need to get after the other parent and the children are used as a pawn. I think in an ideal situation, I don't think that uh, the fate of children should be left in the hands of a judge in a courtroom. Uh, from what I've seen, from my personal experience, specifically in Prince George's County. The the judges, not all of them, but most of the judges are totally desensitized, and they don't seem to act in the best interest of the children at all. They seem to just use the opportunity. It's almost like a a circus uh, and totally forgetting that children are involved because it becomes the the adults. You know, the parents, like the parents get in there and and, and the attorneys make money and the judges make money. They're all friends, um, and they make money for each other at the expense of our
0: children. And, you know, um, so that, I, yeah. that just reminds me of, like, the greed is good
1: uh-huh.
0: from, the, uh, from the movie. But the yeah. thing is, and we talked about this um, last week, about people getting out and voting in the primaries because those are the people that are going to impact you the most. Yeah. And, I mean, how do we get people in... Underdeserved communities. How do we get the word out? That yes, yes. How do we do that?
1: We, you know, if I
0: had that answer,
1: I tell you, I could probably sell it to the uh, Democratic Party, the Republican Party, and probably right. could go on and be a multi-millionaire. Right. This is this is something that the Democratic Party has been trying to figure out for years. They've tried everything. I don't know if you recall back in the Clinton or you know, the Al Gore days. They brought in entertainers. They brought in puffy. They brought in all kinds of people um, to try to make uh, voting, as they say these days, sexy. Um, what happens is that, that people will come party. They'll right. come see puffy, and they'll, they'll get involved. But the reality is they will not show up on election day. And the reason why, I'm going to say we specifically African-Americans, the reason why we don't show up is because, one, we don't have any faith in the system. We don't understand why we're showing up, and we don't know our legislators. And what we don't realize is the power that we're giving away. And right. Is, and I think this is only my perspective, is that we have no education in this. Um, we just we go to school, and there's nothing in the schools to teach us about this and I think it's by design, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, there's just certain things we just don't get. We don't get financial literacy. We don't get legislative literacy. And there's just a lot of things when we become adults and we have no idea. Now, at the, at the expensive private schools, it could cost you up to $40,000 a year to go to an elementary school, a middle school, or high school. Those kids are getting it. Those kids, are, they're, they're having fundraisers. They're going down. They're meeting their legislators. They're lobbying for bills. They're doing all these things as children. So by the time they become adults, they're involved. Unfortunately, in our community, we're not involved at all. So then when you try to get get adults to understand the importance of it, it's very difficult to get people off of their normal schedule. Their normal schedule is go to work, pick up the kids, go to the gym sometimes, uh, and just go grocery shopping, that's it. Going to the polls is just not one of the things that are in the normal routine. And what what I'm trying to do is just figure out, one, we need education reform, um, along with so many other different reforms. We need education reform to include legislative literacy and to include something in our public school systems where our children can visit their state house, their U.S. Senate house, at the Capitol, and go learn and see because the kids will love it if they knew. Kids, Kids love all of these things only if they knew. So exposure is everything. So what I try to do as a mentor, as, as I teach and instruct uh, the mentors, is that you always talk about the importance of voting. You always talk about the importance of sharing your views. And that way a child understands as they get older, yeah, I want to be involved with it. Well, one of the things I want to do with my own daughter, you know, things that are interesting to her, I'm going to show her how she can get involved in the the process of creating laws centered around whatever the interest is. Um, And I think that's the only way we can do it. But for now, I think one of the things that we don't necessarily like about Trump is how he acts. But I can tell you, I like what Donald Trump is doing. I like his style. Because at least, if nothing else, he is waking people up. He's waking people up because generally, if sometimes too often, we'll come out and get involved when we're mad about something. Uh, but if we're not mad, we stay asleep, we forget about it. But with Donald Trump now, he's got everybody riled up. So I think you know this would be good for voter turnout. So I just I applaud him what he's doing. He's waking up a lot of people.
0: And you know that uh, we've talked about that. You know, with with other folks, is you know he's racist and he's sexist and everything around him in his rallies, are all it's just so much violence. And I never thought about it that way that he is actually doing that to people because you're like, this says a lot about this country where someone like that can get people all rallied up. And one of the things that I've talked to with other people is that maybe – That's just his deal. He wants to be president. Or he doesn't really want to be president, and he's riling everybody up so that people know that they won't vote for him if they'll vote for Hillary. (laughs) Well, that's – wow, you nailed it.
1: I was (laughs) going to share with you the Dave Groban theory. Um, My theory on this has always been the same. Um, Donald Trump has more money than he can ever imagine, and with money comes power. For what reason would he want to be the president? My theory is that they knew, and the political people and the politicals knew long time ago that Bernie Sanders was coming. And Bernie Sanders is a socialist. A socialist and a capitalist are two different people. The capitalist, they want to make money at all costs. The socialist is about helping people. And it's about, you know, he would be more interested in programs to help people, whereas the capitalist, it's all that this country is built on capitalism. I
0: right. think
1: all of this is staged. I think Bernie, I think uh, Trump, Mr. Trump, is working hand-in-hand hand with Mrs. Clinton. He's working hand-in-hand hand to uh, sabotage the Republican uh, Party. And in the end, the only person who will be left to vote is his friend, Hillary Clinton. And once Ms. Clinton is in office, they will continue business as usual. And he will protect his legacy because I've always felt like I'm not sure. When we call people racist, I think we're all racist in our own ways. Uh, but I think I think Mr. Trump sees one color, and that color is green. And I think he's going to do whatever it takes to protect his legacy financially.
0: I agree with you wholeheartedly because you've never seen such crazy. <laughs> yeah, and a man
1: has daughters. Trust me, when you when you I have a daughter. When you have a daughter, as a man. You walk into a totally different world that you never even knew anything about. Men have no idea what girls are like. Have no idea. I mean, because there's just two totally different worlds.
0: Right. So I just
1: have a soft heart for any man that has raised a daughter. So it's hard to sell me on this idea that Mr. Trump is this woman hater and that man has daughters. That's a hard sell for me that daughter, those daughters will catch your heart in a way that's never been touched before. And
0: that's he, and hard
1: to honestly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, he appears to be a wonderful family man. Yeah. Without question of a doubt, his children are very successful, and you can see that, you know, the way his children support him. Right. But for those of us <laughs> that can only focus on the one issue Right. It's, a little, it's a little bit different, but we, like you say, we all know it's part of the game. Okay, I'll let part you, of the game. Yeah, I'll let you continue right. into the rest of your fabulousness.
1: Yeah, so what else do we have? Well, I think we talked about moving in a uh, competitive bodybuilder nutrition consultant. Oddly oh. enough, uh, I don't recall if I talked about it last time, but I began a health wellness career back when I was 13 years old and um, competed as a competitive bodybuilder when I was 14 years old. I have my 50th birthday coming up, May 15th, which I will be celebrating May 13th. and I will certainly invite you to my 50th celebration at uh, Prince George's Ballroom.
0: Thank you. Uh,
1: yes, absolutely. It's going to be fabulous.
0: Uh,
1: but one thing else I'm doing, um, I used to promote. Uh, aside from competing, um, I've competed all over the world. I've won shows all over the world. Uh, but I'm also a contest promoter. And I ran uh, my last show at Bowie State University, I want to say dating back to uh, moving track of time, maybe 2009, 2008. But anyway, I'm bringing my show back, and my show title is going to be the Grogan Capital Classic, or Grogan Capital Classic Bodybuilding Bikini and Figure Championships, which is going to be held at July the 23rd at uh, Dr. Wise High School. And I think what people will find about the world, that competitive physique world is a totally different world that most people are not that exposed to. And I think it, I, one of the reasons why I do my shows is because I find it to be very inspirational when they see people on stage, anywhere from 15 years old to 75 years old, competing in physique shows. Wow. And what, it, what it demonstrates is that getting the peak or optimum physique can be done at any age. Uh, there's no age limits on it. Uh, you will notice that people who do uh, compete, they look much younger. Uh, they look more vibrant because I always say exercise is the fountain of youth. Not excess exercise. Uh, unfortunately, it does have a very unhealthy side of it. Competing and physique shows is not something that I uh, I aspired for my daughter. Uh, my daughter has. Uh, performed with me many times on stage, which I'll be happy to share some interesting videos of my daughter performing with me on stage. Um, She's always performed ever since she was a little girl, and she loved it up until the point she started getting older of course, closer to teenage years. (laughs) She felt like she she was just getting, you know, tall, and she didn't think, you know, her being involved was cute anymore. Right. And and and, And the last time she told me that, she was absolutely right. And what I did for her back then is I had, instead of having her dance, perform with me, I let her sing Beyonce's song, which is one of her favorite songs, Daddy. And she sang that. um, That was her sort of coming out ceremony. She's an artist. She sings, and she sang Beyonce's Daddy. Um, So I'm I'm pleased that she's not necessarily interested in physique competition, but she is concerned about her health, which is all all I've ever wanted, uh, her mental and physical health, because sometimes there is a, a tremendous imbalance, and we get involved in these things, competition, and that can be on more of an extreme side, and it leads to a lot of uh, mental health disorders, primarily uh, eating disorders, different things like that. There's a lot of uh, a large population of people who turn to the world of uh, physique shows tend to have, uh, you know, different forms of eating disorders, body dysmorphia, adonis complexes, and all different kinds of things. That is very, very unhealthy. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that my daughter understood the full realm out of it. The good side and the not so good side or the dark side.
0: Well, congratulations on your yeah. daughter being active.
1: Yes, 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 yes. She's uh Yeah, and I wanted her I wanted her to be active and I wanted her primarily not so much to be an athlete. My daughter never liked sports for whatever reason. I grew up in sports. I grew up in football and uh swimming and basketball, but my daughter Never Never (laughs) like sports. (laughs) But she understands nutrition. (laughs) She understands the need for exercise.
0: (laughs) And that's good because we talked about that last week with the food that we're consuming, with the hormones, and it's just gotten out of control. And I was watching something on TV, it was a couple weeks ago, and how it takes so much Space now yeah to really start growing your food and the disgusting part was where they had to have like these huge sections of where they're putting the waste from absolutely animals and I was like I cannot believe what I am seeing
1: exactly exactly
0: and that takes a toll on the environment is that right
1: That's exactly
0: right. That is exactly right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So what's our best practice for nutrition?
1: Nutrition, I think, you know, I've watched the nutrition game, the exercise game for a number of years, obviously. And, again, it's one of these businesses, like so many things, people are making a lot of money off of nutrition uh, fads and diets, and I always say, whatever happened to Billy Blank, well, Mr. Blank's probably somewhere living like a, a wealthy man. You know, you notice these things kind of come and go. There's all these different fads and right. plans and diets and all these things in my world are quite ridiculous, to be honest with you. Um, dieting, or let's not say dieting, that's such an awful word, but let's say um, uh, healthy lifestyle or, or, or healthy eating is relatively simple. Um, I think that if if you learn to read labels and you look at what's in the food, it will change your mindset. Because if you have an idea of what you're eating, that you're less likely to overconsume. The problem we have is that we are addicted to sugar. Sugar has the same impact on the brain as drugs. And it's by it's designed for you to be addicted. So we have to first recognize and address any food addictions that we have. Once we address that by means of supplementation, professional help, or whatever we have to do to address that, then we just keep it simple. I just I don't believe in anything in, in, in extreme. Like I said earlier, I don't necessarily diet. Uh, I just kind of watch, try to watch what I eat. But the main thing that you have to watch is the sugar. Sugar is the most damaging, and that's why it's addictive, but it's the most damaging thing you can really do to your fat as it relates to maintaining or maintaining your weight. Sugar is, is tough. So what I generally do, um, I keep an eye on the sugar. I don't overdo, I don't drink juices, and I don't drink anything that has a lot of sugar in it. Um, a general rule of thumb, some of the easy things that you can do, drink as much water as you can stand. The water will flush your system. The water will help your metabolism. The water just does everything. It's kind of a catch-all. And then just, I want complex carbs, um, your pastas, your breads, things like that that are considered complex carbs. You really want to avoid those at night um, because you don't want things to get so complicated. Maintaining or losing weight does not have to be a science project. I've, uh, I've coached people at the highest level, and when I compete, it's not a science project. I some people ask me, well, David, it seems it's complicated. And I normally say it's not that complicated. If it tastes good, don't eat it. It's kind of that simple. If it tastes good, don't eat it. <laughs> because all good food, all good taste
0: comes from a couple of things, sugar, butter, and salt,
1: right? Well, so
0: I all, sugar, butter, and salt, that's where all good taste comes from. <laughs> See, I'm going to say, oh, it's easier for you. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I have to admit. I mean, I have to admit. You know, sugar and medication are just two things that don't mat, You know, really match with the body. Right. And those are my two biggest things. And you know, it's just it's we consume what we see. It's just the de- design. To do that, we just—it's designed to do that, yeah. And, and and a lot of us, I think I've heard this for Americans, we throw away a lot of food. So we're exactly. buying and consuming, but we're also wasting. You know, we're very wasteful. But exactly. before we, I don't want to go on. Uh, I want to have you on as long as I can. So take <laughs> uh, yeah. about now. You have run for state senate. Yes. And We have this I've been posting that you're 2016 elect Rogan now for Prince George's County and we have a mutual friend Matthew Fogg, Matthew yeah. has been on my show, he's been on Mr. Brown's show and I know I'll see you that next week and he talked a lot about what goes on in Code Blue. Yes. It is really devastating. But I wanted to give you time to talk about 2016 and what. Sure. Going
1: yeah. Well, just to give a little background in history, in 20 in 2014, I ran for the state senate in District 23 in Prince George County. District 23 covers Bowie, Upper Marlboro, and parts of Laurel. And my opponent was a two-time incumbent uh, senator, Doug Peters. Uh, did prevail and won in 2014. And I'm a firm believer that sometimes you win, you don't actually win, and sometimes you lose, you don't actually lose. In this case, we didn't necessarily win the election, but I think we won big because we we learned a lot about this very complicated campaigning political process. Um, I was like most people. I knew absolutely nothing about the political the state political world I knew I'm from the federal side so I knew you know a lot well I knew enough about the federal and the you know US stuff but I didn't know much about state politics, especially local politics. I would not have known who my local representatives are like most of us don't. Um, I would not have known who Doug Peters was, uh, Marvin Holmes, Joe Valerio, any of these people who are representing us had no idea what, I would have had no idea who they were back before I got involved. Um, So we learned a lot. I think it was a big win, Um, and uh, it was an eye-opener. I learned a lot about why we are in the conditions that we're in in our communities. If you look around our communities, for me, all I could think about is who is representing us. If there is a problem in your community, the first question you should be asking, who is the people or the person that's representing us? And that's why I'm driven. I have. Uh, I consider myself a community advocate. Um, I don't know the whole the politician. I'm not a politician, a traditional politician. I was told today by a good friend that he said, David, once you sign to run for office, you're a politician. I said, well, I guess. <laughs> um, I guess. I, but I will say I'm not a traditional politician. All right. I am a, I would consider myself a community advocate. And what a community advocate is is someone who is advocating to do right by the community, someone who is advocating to improve the conditions in the community. Yes. Uh, what, what I have learned about the political world, just my personal opinion, most of it has very little to do with improving the community. It just doesn't. Um, it seems to be more, uh, one, we do know it's a wealthy man's or woman's game and that's the reason why you have to be able to raise a lot of money. If you can't raise money, then if you're wealthy, you could somehow figure it out. Um, It's tough. I call it a wealthy man-woman game. And with that, it makes it very tough for community advocates to even get in the game. Uh, So for me, I decided that after I ran in 2014, the next election is 2018, four years later. 2016 just simply means we're going to get a great start. We're not going to one of the lessons learned last time is we started too late. I initially was going to run for sheriff. Obviously, I'm the U.S. marshal. U.S. marshal is a, the, the, the state sheriff does some of the most of the same function as the U.S. marshal, but the U.S. marshal is a federal um, state. The state, the U.S. Marshal is a president. The actual U.S. Marshal for a particular district is a presidential appointee. The worker bees are deputy U.S. Marshals. On the state level, you have the elected sheriff. The worker bees are deputy sheriffs. Uh, so at one point throughout my career, I was intending to run for sheriff of Prince George's County, but I changed my mind and I ran for Senate. But when I ran for Senate, I realized that we needed a lot more time. And that's what we're doing now. We're doing, we're, we're doing, what we're doing is called positioning. We don't have to necessarily identify what I'm going to run for this far out uh, because our election isn't until uh, 2018. Right. However, uh, my birthday, May the 13th, um, will be our first fundraiser, and it will be our actual kickoff for our campaign. And that's why we call it Elect Grow In Now because we don't know what positions will be open or available in 2018 but we're going to be positioned to run whether we run citywide, countywide, a local run we'll be positioned to run for whatever becomes available at that time in
0: 2018. That is so smart so mm-hmm. you have the 2 years to get in.
1: That's right. We have two years to to continue branding the name, continue to work in the community, and continue our fundraising efforts. Uh, Because you know, it's it's a lot of times we don't really understand why we have to raise funds. We have to raise funds because you can't running a campaign is not designed to spend your own money. You, know, right. you can't. You go broke uh, trying to spend your own money. So you have to raise funds. All money raised on a campaign is strictly for campaign usage, no personal usage. And if you use it for anything personal, you can end up in jail. And we've seen this. <laughs> um, so a lot of times we don't understand. We say it's a fundraiser. It's not. It's a. It's a. It's. It's more of an investment in a in a candidate to help a candidate be able to buy the signs by the advertisement and every the literature that's needed. Everything you need to run an effective campaign involves money. And that's what the whole purpose is of raising the money. Nothing nothing goes in the candidate's personal pocket at all. Everything raised goes strictly to the the, uh, the campaign towards the campaign.
0: And you can see that you need a lot of money yeah. because whoever has like the best ads, you know, whoever okay. Campaign person with like celebrity status, it takes a lot, and sometimes when you don't have that, it can really be a hindrance. Yes, yeah. I yeah. am all for you know you starting now and just uh, downlaying or laying down the, the groundwork yeah. because at, you consider yourself an advocate, and that means that you have more. I would say more at heart than just the regular politician because you're really focused on the community, not just being a politician.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yes, Yes. that is exactly right. That is exactly right. I am focused on my passion, is children. Everything that I do, everything that I live for, is figuring out a way how do we help our children. I truly believe that if we can educate, and if we can care for our children, our children they are the future. And what I've learned, even in the health and wellness world, even if we can teach our children nutrition, guess what? They go home and teach the parents.
0: Right.
1: They go home and teach the parents. I've seen it. My my partner in the Children's Rights Fund, his son David uh, Junior goes to Hill High School, and he comes home and he tells his dad, you know, that he needs to drink coconut water and olive oil and. Different things like that, uh, and I uh, just and David and I kind of laugh because it's, he's a prime example of what can happen if we just educate children. They'll go home and teach the parents.
0: <laughs> and that's, I mean, that is absolutely true. They need an education because they are the future. And when you look at children today, and there's so much negativity, you go, "They're the next generation. <laughs> They're going to be the ones making decisions." Are you serious? And that's because they need someone there to help educate them in all areas of their life. If not, our programs just, I mean, they just keep keep getting cut and cut and cut. And it just takes something simple to teach a child how to eat or to teach a child, you know, how to exercise or to, teach them to write a book or to help them get through college. It really does take a village. It does.
1: It does. It takes a village. And you, can, With children, well, I've learned, it, especially through my experience, my world has always been different and I always attribute it back to my experiences as a child getting introduced to health, wellness, and fitness. Imagine a young boy starts to lift in weights early and boys are fairly simple. They're driven by testosterone. Right. They're driven by size, muscles, and testosterone. That's it. So if you can get a boy feeling good about himself early. Because he feels healthy, it changes his whole world. It changes his whole vision on how he sees things. He doesn't become, because oftentimes, I always tell my daughter, 99% of all bad decisions are emotionally driven, and they're somehow tied into how we feel about ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, so if we can get to feeling good about ourselves early, we don't grow up with these or become adults, but these deep-seated self-esteem issues that drive all of our issues.
0: Absolutely. Well, we yeah. promised that we would end about five minutes yes.
1: I got awards to give out tonight.
0: Yes, you have something to do. And just tell the audience quickly what you're doing this evening.
1: Yes, this evening we have the um, Bowie City Council will be presenting awards our buoy's brightest educators, and I am a member of the Buie, uh, the City of Bowie Education Committee. So I will be one of the presenters. Um, I can't think of anything nicer or better that I can be doing than recognizing our teachers. Our yeah. teachers—they are—they are everything. Our substitute teachers taught for one year, and it changed my whole world. It gave me a whole different appreciation for the teachers. So I'm excited. I cannot wait. One of the uh, or recipients is going to be so surprised when she sees me because she has no idea that I'm even involved. But she works over at uh, Rockland Elementary School, and I can tell you for years she made sure that the Department of Justice was represented at her school every year. She made sure that she contacted me a year out and stayed on top of me monthly, weekly, daily to make sure that her kids got that exposure that someone from the Department of Justice, United States Marshal Service would be there to speak to her kids. And she made sure that she had people from all walks of life and careers. So she's going to get an award tonight, and I'm actually going to be the one to the an award to her. So I'm just as excited as she is.
0: That is exciting. That is exciting. And we really do need to support our teachers. They should not have to buy pencils and books and over. And, you know, understaffed and the the sizes of the classrooms are so large. So that's something we'll have to have you come back and, and talk about. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. we got to get you to that award ceremony. So we have a guest that says, great show. So thank you, guest three, for that. We really appreciate it. David, have a fabulous evening. I know that all will go well. And I believe I'll see you next week at Mr. Brown's. Yes, indeed. I'll be there. Great, great. All righty. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Stroke Diva Fabulous Show. David, really quickly, do you want to mm-hmm. give out any websites? Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yes, that website is uh, electgrogannow.com or net. I can also be reached anytime on my cell phone at 301 651 9178. My email address is Grogan at gmail.com, spelled G-R-O-G-A-N. Please feel free to reach out to me anytime.
0: Thank you, David Grogan, and have fun this evening.
1: Thank you, and I'll talk to you soon.
0: Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.